Hey everybody out there in podcast land, it's David coming at you with another podcast. Today we're going to continue along with our series. It'll be our fourth series, fourth part of our series of the tabernacle. This is the priesthood and we're going to talk a little bit about the priesthood and shine some light on that as we're talking about the tabernacle. And today is a beautiful day. It's Saturday here in Michigan. I got chilly simmering on the stove going to go on a little adventure later on we're going to eat chili and go up north but i figured i'd take a break and uh, teach the priesthood lesson four of the tabernacle series and we'll get right into this right after a word from our sponsors the priesthood The tribe of the Levi chosen for the priesthood. The priesthood set up the tabernacle, performed its ceremonies, took it down, and transported it. Numbers 3, 6 through 8. The Levites took the place of the firstborn, who had been set apart as a holy unto the Lord in memory of God's protecting them on the night of the Passover. Exodus 22, 29 through 30. Numbers 3, 12 through 13, also Numbers 8, 17 through 18. Each Levite redeemed one of the firstborn. Behold, I have taken the Levites from among the children of Israel instead of all the firstborn. Numbers 3, 12. However, since there was 22,273 firstborn and only 22,000 Levites, The remainder of the firstborns were redeemed at the rate of five shekels each. The redemption money was given to the priest. Numbers 3, 43 through 51. This redemption is the type of Jesus, our priest, who redeems each member of the church, which is called the church of the firstborn. Hebrews 12, 23. We were not redeemed with gold, however, but with the precious blood of Christ. 1 Peter 1, 18 through 19. God no doubt chose the tribe of Levi because of their stand for the Lord when the Israelites worshipped the golden calf, Exodus 32:26. God has always had a faithful few. As God rewards, rewarded the Levites for their bold stand against sin on their day, so God will reward those who today take their stand for the, for the Lord amid an unbelieving people. Our reward, like theirs, will be membership in a royal priesthood. 1 Peter 2-9 through As we started out today, we started talking about the tribe of Levi and how the numbers were given and how they were separated. And um, it's pretty interesting how when you get into the Old Testament, it seems like a lot of numbers and boring, but it lays a lot of the foundation. It's almost like our constitution nowadays for America. You got to remember, around the world, they don't have a constitution. Only America has the constitution that we serve under. This constitution was given to us through men who laid their lives down, dedicated by God to give us this constitution of this great nation that we live under. But the rest of the world does not have the same constitution. That's why they have different rights and rules and regulations. Just like in the Bible, if you were to understand the New Testament a little bit more, it's it's favorable to you to go to the Old Testament and study these things out as boring as they are. A lot of people don't like to get into the weeds of the scriptures and understand, you know, the law 
and actual things that the Bible said in the Old Testament, they would rather have other people tell them. And the problem with that is it's all right the first one or two generations, but after a few generations, you forget that you have a constitution. You have rights. Just like in the Bible, we all have rights. We come from something very important. We have a, a very rich lineage in the Bible, and it behooves you to understand these things. I would adjure you to study, to read, even as boring as it seems sometimes, and take your time. Just dissect chapter by chapter. Don't have to get real big and theological in things. Just take your time. Understand a few things. So, it seems a little boring in the first part, but we'll get into more, more interesting things as we go along. But just hang with us. Hang with me. Purpose of all details given by the Lord. The tabernacle and the temple are the only buildings we read about in the Word of God that had the Lord as the sole architect. God himself arranged the order of the camp and gave all the instruction as how to carry on the worship. He left no room for humans to incorporate their own ideas into the plan or to choose their own place in the body. This fact demonstrates that if God is to accept our worship, we must conduct it only as he directs and not as we please. Matthew 10, 19, John 17, 20, Galatians 1, 8, Hebrews 8, 5, and Jude chapter 3. Just as the book of Exodus gave the pattern of the Old Testament worship, so the Lord has given a pattern for the New Testament worship in the book of Acts. Jude exhorted Christians to contend earnestly for the same faith that the apostles once delivered to the saints. And Paul warned us not to preach any other gospel than what was preached to the people. Galatians 1, 8-9 and Jude 3. I'm going to stop there before we go a little further. As you can see, God is the architect. He's in charge. And in a modern day, we see a lot of people with feelings and what they think and it doesn't seem right and it doesn't seem fair. All those things does not matter in the plan of God. Now, I'm not saying God doesn't have feelings or none of that. What I'm saying is if God says to do something and you decide to do something else, that's disobedience to God. You could have God, I'll give you an example, say to me, I'll say my name. Hey, David, I want you to go over to this city and I want you to do something in this city. And I say, man, I just don't feel like I should go to that city. And I go to all my peers. I go to people that are in charge of me. I go to people all around me and I say, God told me to go to this city, but I don't want to go. Well, then don't go. You don't have to go. I don't think that's God's will. And you listen to everyone around you and you stop. You're being disobedient. That's just like if you are in sin. If you're doing something wrong and God says, I want you to repent of that. I want you to change. I don't want that in your life. Now, we're living in a day and age that people don't understand what sin is. If it's not in the Bible, word for word, they kind of discredit it as sin. Or people, same thing with lies. Nowadays, a lie is no longer a lie. A lie is how much I reveal to you, and if I reveal the exact thing that you want, that's a lie. The Bible is emphatic, just like in the um, court system. Are you willing to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? The whole truth, that's a weird statement. The whole truth, nothing but the truth. Well, what is the whole truth? You'd think that the truth is truth, but not nowadays. People only tell you what they want you to hear what you want, what they want you to see and what they can avoid and not telling you. It's almost like a legal battle with lawyers. It's all people are doing nowadays. And if God tells you to do something to say, let's say you're, you're doing a recreational drug 
or you're doing something on the side that's that you have to hide all the time that you just don't feel worthy of and your your body's convicting you something inside you is convicting you and God says hey I want you to stop that I want you to stop doing that and everyone around you is justifying it people in your own house are saying it's okay you are wrong and you will be judged on that sin now, I'm telling you this because too many people have an idea thinking they know what God wants and where God's taken people and they don't have a clue because God has told instructions from the very beginning. Even in your life, he started giving instructions and most of us get off track and we start doing our own thing and we wonder why things are not working and we have to look back to where we got off track, go back there and start walking the path again. That's how it is in God's kingdom. God's in charge. He never relinquished his power. He doesn't share it with nobody. He's in charge. Now, I know I'm in a day and age also, not only with people that don't know what sin is, what true lies are, those kind of things. They don't understand these things. And it's kind of weird that we have to reteach these things. And people even are vicious now. You can't even, people know things now. They they know God. They know you're wrong. They know this. They this. Blah, blah. All day long, I hear this. It, it gets overwhelming sometimes when you're trying to teach somebody with good intentions how much you got to fight through the belief systems of people, that is just ridiculous. I'll give you a quick example. We're in a day and age that people are called racist without even being racist. People have labeled people in terms because it's um, it, it advances their agendas. And so it becomes a selfish motive and they start calling people names for no reason. And they start labeling full bodies of people names just because they don't agree with them. This is very dangerous. Because we are doing this in the church also. If you haven't noticed over the last decade or so, people have segregated themselves into pockets in the church. There's groups all over the place. You got groups that hang out over here, groups that hang out over here. They might mingle back and forth every once in a while when the pastor says go across the aisle and shake hands. But pretty much people sit in the same place. If you go to church on a Sunday morning, and I'm talking about the building, not the church, the building at what people call the assembling of themselves together. When you go into a building and you see the same person sitting in the same chair in the same place all the time, never doing anything. It's almost like they're in a mode. Now you got to think this way. As a preacher, many, many years I've thought about stuff like this. If that's what they're showing you in public, what are they not showing you in private? If people are so bold to do things without clapping their hands in front of the people, Praising the Lord in front of people. They're not praising God in secret. If they are, it's not true worship and praise. Now, I'm not saying you have to worship in front of people. I'm just saying if you can't do things in front of people, that's the same thing as what sin is. Sin keeps you hidden in the dark. It doesn't like you being exposed out there. Sin does not like light shed on it. Whenever you shine light on something that's evil, unworthy, uh, unrighteous, it doesn't like it. It wants to fight you. The same thing with people nowadays. When you start talking about good things, spiritual things, and there's people that are so spiritual. I'm talking not spiritual of God, their own spirit. They're so full of their own spirit. They do their own things, and you can't tell them right or wrong or indifferent. They got their minds made up. They're not doing anything different. You can't change them, and it does not matter what you say. Well, that's the kind of generation we're in right now. Now, not everybody's like that. There's lots of people out there hungry for the word of God that are just coming like children. That's why the Bible says, come as a child. If you ever notice a child when they're growing up, 
they can get in trouble and forget about it in just a few minutes after the, the reward comes to them, and they don't hold a grudge. They can just get up and play and do their things again. They're happy. They're smiling. They wake up in the morning. They're happy. They're, they're, they don't even want to go to bed. They cry because they don't want to go to sleep because they don't want to miss nothing. What happened to adults like that? Adults aren't like that no more. So enough of that. I'll digress from the, that little kick right there. Each person having his allotted place and duties created order and eliminated confusion. If each member in the church would allow the Holy Spirit to show him his place, the church can be just as orderly. It is God's desire to eliminate all confusion from the church. 1 Corinthians 14, 27 through 33. 1 Timothy 3, 14 through 15. If each church will follow the pattern of the early church as led by the apostles, there will be no controversy among them. Recognizing God's order of things will eliminate the evil of place seeking in the church. Mark 10, 37, 10, 43, also Luke 14, 7 through 11, Isaiah 33, 22, and 1 Corinthians 11, 1, 2 Timothy 3, 16. Many are deceived thinking that God will accept their worship as long as they are sincere. But sincerity and a wrong belief will not take the place of obedience. And I'll leave you with this. Excuse me there. I had just was thinking there. I have a thought here. I haven't I preached a sermon a long time ago on sincerity. And I titled it Wax in Your Cracks. That's what I titled it. It just came to me as I read this last part here. Wax in your cracks. It seems kind of funny. And I used to title my sermons thought-provoking like this. I didn't, there was a time I never titled my sermons, but after a while I started putting a title on them just to keep track of them. Like now I can remember them in my head. But sincerity, the word sincere, sincere. It's an interesting word. I love words and I love looking them up and I love studying their foundation, where they came from, what's the thought process. I like to understand words. They're just, when I hear people speak, I discern their words. It's a gift that God gave me. I just love it. Sincerity. Back in the old days, we're talking back in Roman times, maybe before, somewhere around Roman time, the, the potters would make pottery and sell it out front. The porcelain, things like that. They, they would burn them in the ovens, fire them, and then take them out, paint them, and then put them out for sale, right? They'd have their storefront stores. Okay, so let's let's go for an imagination ride right now. You're back in the days of... 0 BC or 1 BC or whatever that is before Christ the year 1 and you're uh you're hungry you're at home and your husband's sitting there and your kids are sitting there crying and you're hungry and you say I want to cook some food I got all this food in my house husband or wife and but I don't have nothing to cook it in no pottery to put my dishes we need to go update our dishes today so you bundle up the kids and you go for a walk you open up the wooden door in the stuffy house that you have that smells like smoke from all the little hay that's in there and the the flies buzzing around, little noises, and you walk out into the bustling street that's just busy with people. You're hearing noises of the cows, the camels, the noises of people talking, gossip on the left store. Everywhere you go, there's noise, 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 noise. And so you're walking out with your family and you come up to a store and you turn to the left and you say, man, there's pottery stores everywhere. There's these porcelain stores everywhere. 
where's a good store? Well, let's say that you've lived there your whole life. So you grew up with your parents in that city and everything. And you understood what store to go to. Because you understood how the heritage was around there. Everything about it. The lineage, the heritage. You understood the the crook over there, that store that's a crook. You understand on the other side of the street, the person that's honest. You understand all that. Now you bump into another family. And it's Joe Small and his wife. Bumped into them. And they say, excuse me. And they're real timid. And you're like, hey, hi, I haven't seen you around these parts. And you guys start kicking up a conversation. And you're talking. Now, just follow along with me, folks out there. I want you to just to get in, get your imagination and think about this. I want you to put, I'm putting you in the streets. I'm putting you in this atmosphere. And I want you to think about this. And so you're talking to Joe Smo and his wife. And they have a little baby in their arms. And they say, hey, we're new to this place. We just bought a place, but we're out looking for porcelain and pottery and and the family you guys are like we're doing the same thing and what a coincidence and so they say will you help us and they're like yeah we'll help you we know all the ins and outs of the town so you take them on a little walk to look for some porcelain and pottery and as you come up to one store you see sincere the word sincere on the storefront over their pottery and their porcelain you walk over to another one and it says, sincere. And you look across the street and they didn't say sincere. And you're like, why is they saying sincere on the doors? And the ones that you guys that have been there your whole life explain to them. Come here, I'll show you what sincere is. I'll show you what the word sincere means. The word sincere means without wax. And they say without wax. What does that mean? Well, look at this. And you walk up and you pick up a nice vase or a nice bowl and you show the person. And they say, wow, that looks so pretty. And they say, yeah, but this is not sincere. And they say, well, why do you mean it's not sincere? How can it be not sincere? Look how beautiful it is. And they take their finger and they start to move it in certain areas of the thing. And they they crevice out the wax the wax that's in all the cracks and they start, start to show them because after it heats up one or two times, the wax kind of melts away and you see cracks all through this vase or this porcelain. And they look to you and say, wow, I never knew that. They're, and they, you say to the person, that's because this vase was not sincere. Okay, so now let's step back into our time, folks. I just told you that story to think about this, the word sincere. The word sincere means without wax. Now I'm going to go and tell you why I told you that story. Without wax. Evil merchants that were out to get a buck <clears throat> would make very bad pottery. They'd buy used pottery, old pottery, whatever. And what they would do is take it back to their house and they would put wax. They would melt wax and fill all the cracks of the porcelain and smoothly cover over it and then let it cool off polish it really nice and set it out and it looked beautiful because the wax would fill all the cracks up and you couldn't see all the cracks inside the porcelain because old or brittle or bad porcelain had cracks all through it. Nobody wants to buy that kind of stuff because you want good new stuff when you're out buying it. And so the word sincere means without wax. It means you're getting pottery that's new without cracks and it hasn't been filled with wax. So if you look at the word sincere, sincere means what you see is what you get. It's real. 
if you look at the word sincere in the opposite way, as somebody's trying to deceive you, it means somebody is taking wax, filling cracks, and they're deceiving you. They're letting you see what they want you to see. They're filling their cracks with wax to sell you a bill of goods, sell you some junk. And once you buy that thing, it's no good anymore. That's what sincere means. So let me read this last part of this lesson today, the priesthood. But sincerity and a wrong belief will not take the place of obedience. So sincerity, even though you have the true meaning and you put it inside the wrong religion or the wrong belief system, it's not going to save you. Even if you're totally sincere without wax, your heart is totally fixed on truth, but it's in the wrong place, it doesn't take you to heaven, folks. That's what I spent that time teaching the word sincere. Sincerity. It's an amazing word. Something to think about today. I want you to think about the priesthood as we went through our lessons of the tabernacle. I hope you enjoy these stories I give you and I teaching my version of uh, words. I love you all. God bless. Hey, thanks for listening to this podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that story about sincerity, the word sincere. It's an old word that I studied long time ago. So I went out of memory when I seen that word. I just thought it would be an enjoyable lesson. Hope you enjoyed the priesthood. There's a lot of scriptures there for you to go back and read. I hope you go back and spend some time with a friend or a family member or somebody just to go through them and brushing up on them. Love you all. I enjoy all my sponsors out there. I appreciate them. I know you pray for me. I pray for you guys and I love you. And I thank you for helping me get this podcast out there because this podcast is enjoyable for me. And I'm hoping it's information for you that will feed your soul. God bless.